0: My guest this week is Ricardo Hoyas, an actor who spent the last decade in front of a camera. He was in Toronto Stories, he played Zig Novak in Degrassi The Next Generation and Degrassi The Next Class, and you might have seen him in the John Doerr television show, Killjoys, and Sadie's Last Days on Earth. Or maybe you saw him as Trip, an 80s guy, in Travis Knight's Bumblebee, which landed on Disc and Digital last month. That's probably it. Ricardo picked Dumb and Dumber, the 1994 buddy comedy that put Bobby and Peter Farrelly on the map. Cemented Jim Carrey as a phenomenon And worked out pretty okay for Jeff Daniels as well A road picture following the world's stupidest men From Providence, Rhode Island to Aspen, Colorado As they try to deliver a briefcase to a pretty lady Played by Lauren Holly. It's basically just a series of dopey responses to ridiculous situations In the tradition of the Three Stooges But, you know, with one less of them And it pushed the boundaries of American comedy filmmaking Kind of into the stratosphere It was a big deal Ricardo loved it This is someone else's movie I I didn't know what I was going to do
1: for a long time. I was really thinking about it. I wanted to pick a good one, Um, and the one thing that uh, uh, the idea of what was one of the clips was like talking about how uh, you can't believe a movie got made, right? Like that movie is so weird, (laughs) the script and like I don't. It's such a bizarre movie. I can't believe that it got me like that i don't know who pitched that to who i don't know like jim carrey said and they're both just so great in it like it's 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 just like one of those movies i can always put on and every single scene is so so funny and it's like there's nothing like it you know yeah no story like that although the second one have you seen the second one
0: uh the one with them yeah yeah never did i saw the prequel yeah, yeah, that, yeah, was, that yeah. sort of put me off. It. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, that one I
1: saw that as well. Kind of silly, but uh, no, that that second one they just came out with was like, oh man, it's sad how bad it's. <laughs> like, I'm I'm really big fan of the first one, so I guess I had high expectations. But like, I knew it was never going to be as good. But it was just like so. And I don't know how they like. Did it so bad when the first one was so good.
0: Yeah. I think that might be it though. I think the original Dumb and Dumber is such a bizarre lightning in a bottle opportunity. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was before um it was before anyone knew what to expect mm-hmm. from that concept mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. the Fairlies were still kinda of weird and untrained and just doing, following their instincts. You're right exactly when you say that you don't know how it got made. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it turned into a movie. It mm-hmm. just feels yeah, like some yeah, cameras are yeah. following people around and they got lucky. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Uh, so when, what was your first experience of it? When Did you see it theatrically?
1: Uh, no, no, no. I saw it, I don't even remember the first time I saw it. But I, I've seen it so many times since, <laughs> and I feel like every time there's still stuff that I'm noticing that I haven't seen before. And, like, such, like, hilarious little nuance. Like, Jim Carrey is really, he's so committed to that character. And I don't know how he came up with that guy. Like, it's so unique and
0: weird. Like, he's (laughs) so funny. It's, um, I've been amazed at Carrey's um, success because he's from, you know, he's from Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had I knew of him as an impressionist when he was here, and uh, I'd interviewed him once, wow, cool. I think just before Ace Ventura. Uh, wow! Yeah, and it was it was really it was a fun it was a fun conversation. He uh, he was hosting a gala for I want to say the the other thing that was maybe the Toronto Comedy Festival. It was the rival to Just for Laughs the okay. thing that they tried yeah, to yeah. stage that didn't take. And I got to talk to him for the... I was writing for the Toronto Star, and so we got a, a fairly long interview slot, and he nice. was just, I don't know, I'm going to... You know, keep like, still on the Living Color. We were talking about the L.A. riots. they just happened. Wow. And he's like, I got a couple of movies coming, but I don't know. They sound really weird. And it was Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. And to, to see somebody so perfectly positioned to be that guy... Seriously. Um, yeah, and, and Ace Ventura is... I mean, hideously transphobic, uh, and, and it's like you know, it's <laughs> yeah, massively yeah. problematic in ways that um, that it's disturbing that no one thought were problematic back then. Yeah, like, we yeah, find that yeah, with a lot yeah, of, of comedy, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. things just date very badly as yeah, soon as they're removed yeah. from right from their sphere. But but with Dumb and Dumber, they found something like that's weirder and purer and
1: sweeter. Yeah, it's almost like a child like yeah. thing that we can all relate to somehow. Um, But no, I think uh, you're you're just saying, like, about kind of his weird movies coming out in his career after that. Um, I I just, I'm so fascinated by, like, his career. And and all the films that he's done are so different. And characters that that truly I don't think anyone else could have done. You know, like, you look at Dumb and Dumber, you look at Ace Ventura, you look at The Grinch, you look at The Mask... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Those all came out in like five years and are like some of the most weirdly extroverted. Like I don't, I that, can't see yeah. anyone doing that and like grounding it the way that he did.
0: Yeah, he finds the catch and there's that moment in... There's that moment fairly early in Dumb and Dumber about how Lloyd is lonely and he doesn't want to... Have, you know, like I don't... I want to have somebody or I don't ever want to have nobody or the way yeah, he Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his voice catches and it's you just, just think... so earnest. Yeah. yeah. This guy's going to be a dramatic actor eventually but right now... Yeah. He's yeah. almost... Like he's almost too real for a second there, yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. he's also just complained that his pet's heads are falling off, which oh, my is pets. my favorite. Well, that delivery is my it's favorite. The whole movie. That's, that's it's it. so good. It, just, it says everything about like <laughs> the logic that applies. The weird. <laughs> oh, it's, it's falling It's uh, yeah. It tells us everything about him and the world <laughs> exactly. the movie takes place in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I gotta say, when I first heard that they were casting Jeff Daniels, I had reservations because he's there's a one there's one moment in, in the in the film where they pull up in the van and, and Harry's asleep and it looks like a smarter person because Jeff Daniels is for yeah, yeah, intelligent yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, I was just like can he really cuz Jim Carrey I know can be goofy but Daniels I mean he was nominated for an Oscar for Terms of Endearment he's a dramatic actor yeah, and he's, yeah. he's gone back to that now with the whole voice of reason Aaron Sorkin thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to see him in this and again within 2 minutes just like oh he he wants to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) They knew what they had.
1: There's there's an interview that I, I watched with Jim Carrey talking about Daniels on set for Dumb and Dumber. And, like he would he's like i would just get such a kick out of watching him like right before we would start filming you know he would look like jeff daniels a smart you know respectable professional and then like once roland would uh would be called he would just put on this dopey face like this really let his like eyes droop and like it was like he explains it as being like a really great uh uh I don't think he says learning experience, but just like wow, watching a great work.
0: Yeah, it like, is. I mean, it's a physical performance, but it's also one that's going on behind the eyes, and yeah, there's, so, there's a slackening in his face where he's just sort of drooped a little bit. Yeah. What you see is, yeah, what you see is someone who is fully committed to something that is <laughs> completely alien to him, and it's you know the part of that conversation about how we don't give Oscars to comedy performances and no one takes this stuff seriously, mm-hmm. but as, as supporting performance goes, it's It's virtuosity. Um, I, I, again, I did not ever think I would laugh that hard at a toilet joke. And Daniels gives it acts. Like, there's a first, second, and third, (laughs) sorry, movement to that sequence that is just, like, I've watched it on its own and just sort of stared at it. (laughs) How did they know? Like, how did even, even the camera placement is clever. Like, they know exactly where to put the camera, which is not something the Farrelly's did very often. Mm -hmm. Um... There's a, there's this moment in me myself and I where where Carrie has to murder an animatronic cow, and it isn't funny because you see they built the cow and you have to you see it. Mm-hmm. If it was just out of I, I remember seeing that theatrically and thinking oh you know what if you just tilt the camera up four inches and we don't see it and all you see is the rage that Carrie is trying to muster up yeah. to kill this yeah, animal yeah, yeah. then it's funny but yeah. in, instead it's just like Ugh. yeah yeah yeah. But with Dumb and Dumber like everything lines up the shot mm-hmm. of. Um, just the shot of him uh, on the, the shot of, Jim, of Jeff Daniels on the toilet. The shot of Jim Carrey emerging from that bus, missing his tooth, and just grinning like an, like a fool, but but with pure radiant happiness. Yeah, everything seems to be right. People move into their light. People catch the frame. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he
1: said it perfectly there. It's really just an example of like just perfect execution. They they had their idea and they made it perfect it was it's this unique completely individualistic thing like nothing is like i can't think of anything that's really like that movie
0: yeah so at what point in your development as a performer does it hit you are you is it the kind of thing that shows you that there's a bigger space you can fill or is it
1: yeah i think like i love watching comedies like that's that's kind of my uh neutral is i'll just always want to put on a comedy um and you know you say like we're not traditionally given awards for a comedy and it's really it's too bad because i don't know if there is a harder like medium to to be acting in you know like it's when you know a line is coming it, to, and to keep like a, a the spontaneity of humor is like so much more difficult for me anyway than like a dramatic scene. A dramatic scene is like the easiest scene for me because it's really, especially if it's really like heavy like it's just easier to get into it because it's like the words are heavy, you can't not feel that way. Right. But to amp yourself up to like to, and the timing of comedy is just so uh, I try as I think subconsciously I'm just having watching all these comedies all the time. It just like you want to be like that. You want to be as funny as Jim Carrey and and Dumb and Dumber. Even you quote the entire movie. You know, you, you chip your tooth. You cut your hair with a bowl.
0: <laughs> it is just so simple too. I mean, he had the missing. The, the chip was already there. Oh really? Yeah, he, he oh, removed man. a filling or a, oh, wow. a plate. I guess you'd call it. But he had a filler. <laughs> Uh, and he said, so oh, I think I would have the character, and just popped it out, and they're like, wow. yeah, okay, go yeah, for it. Yeah, that's the guy. Plus the haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the weird... He's kind of rigid physically, but not exactly... Like, yeah, The, the yeah, rubber face thing yeah, that Jim Carrey yeah, has, yeah. he's almost working against it here or there because yeah. he's trying to behave himself. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the, the funniest thing for me about a comedy is when someone is desperately trying to do something that they aren't supposed to do or that they can't do. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it puts us, you know, it makes them instantly vulnerable because you see the need and the desire. Yeah. But yeah. it also just makes us, you know, really appreciate the disaster that's coming. Right, you, right, You're always aware of it. And Dumb and Dumber introduces a spy plot that isn't really a spy plot. Uh, yeah. Just a just a series of <laughs> misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah. And they have to be, this is the key to it, right? They have to be believably dumb enough to... Yeah, fall into yeah, everything that happens yeah, to them, yeah. but still be able to feed themselves and still be able to, right, you right, know, right, drive right, a car. Right, right. So, it's not Three Stooges level of ineptitude where just putting these people in the same space guarantees you a disaster. Mm-hmm. They have to, we have to have a rooting interest in these yeah, two. Yeah, we don't yeah, want them to yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. But they are also
1: just so good at getting in each other's way. It's amazing that they were able to toe that line between absurdity and reality because. Yeah. Like you're saying, we're rooting for these guys. These guys are real people. We just want want them to have a win. And so much of the movie is so absurd on paper and on film. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it keeps right on going. <laughs> and like, physically, like, they look so silly. And, like, oh, it's just so impressive to me that they were able to, uh, Jim Carrey and, and Daniels specifically, and even just the writing of, of the plot and everything else is just that's hard to do that's hard to to find that balance yeah especially with that movie
0: I think Mike Stargetz deserves a lot of the credit uh, because he's he is allowed to never like them like he just hates them yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they are an impediment to everything he's trying to do <laughs> he really wants to just kill them at one point or another or several <laughs> points
1: and they're so oblivious, like best friends yeah too. Oh, best yeah, friends I but they're it. torment yeah I want to cheat your brain. you'll find out
0: <laughs> yeah it's just horrifying <laughs> But it's, it's this this weird um, throwback mentality to the... I mean, you know, it's Margaret Dumont and the Marx Brothers. It's the it's the person we're not supposed to side with as an audience because we want to watch the chaos. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we have to understand where they're coming from. And yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, I would probably want to push these guys out of a moving car pretty quickly after meeting them. I would probably want to get a moving car just so I could put them in it and then push them out of it. What and right? I thought, you know, this guy, he's he's all right. He's a terrible person, but I'm kind of on his side when they're singing Mockingbird too. yeah or Scream or the, the <laughs> yeah. most annoying noise in the world
1: <laughs> where, where did that come I like, suspect
0: that was just it, a long boredom take you yeah like, just yeah, do, yeah.
1: we'll roll for 20 yeah, minutes yes, you do you... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. oh man yeah that is see that would be like uh, there's so much I want to do in my career and I love all the genres everything has its its value and it's attractiveness to me Mm -hmm. um whether it be a drama or an action or a comedy but uh, i'm just really i don't know if it gets any better than like that kind of set you know or like something where it's like uh, a group of friends are writing and producing it, you know where it's just like there's no worrying about the time or like it's not a super stern, serious attitude on set. It's like we, we can take time to just let the camera roll and like be funny. Like let's let's just try to make each other laugh. you like,
0: how yeah. does it get better than that? Yeah, well, it's friends who trust each other to find something. Right. And right. the the Farrellys had this weird directorial style, which you know, by the time Peter Farrelly made Green Book and when he brought it to Tiff, he was saying, ah, you know, we just let Vago and, and uh, Marshall uh, figure it out. We didn't I didn't really direct mm-hmm. them and it's like, Yeah, I can totally tell. Yes, yeah. you don't direct actors. But his strength as a filmmaker is in and Bobby's too, I guess, I mean they work together for most of their career, is to just let things happen mm-hmm. and then figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I know they do multiple takes and I know they refine stuff, but there's a certain Disorganization to their process. Mm-hmm. The lighting kind of sucks most of the time and they cast their friends from Rhode Island in a lot of roles and you can always tell they're these kind of beefy middle-aged guys standing around. Not yeah. unlike people who look like Mike Starr but but as the films went on like right. Shallow Hal and, and Hall Pass is full of them. They're just right, right. they're just guys from the neighborhood yeah, yeah, who yeah. uh, I assume were around and it's like, yeah, I don't know, you want to be a bellhop? Yeah, I'll be a bellhop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dumb and Dumber happened when they were still relatively... Accountable, right. right? Like it was their right, first right, huge right, hit. Right, right, I mean, right. Was it their first feature? I think it might have been their first director. Yeah, horror, yeah, I think so. been yeah, 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 yeah. And they were still answerable to New Line, and New Line was like, you make a movie, you have to do certain things, right, you have right, to yeah, have actors, right, and, right, right. and the love interest. And, and again, you know, Lauren Holly is just wonderful. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's also steering herself a lot more than most of the female leads would in subsequent movies. Right. And so I think what we what we got out of it was controlled chaos, where they're doing what they like, which is, I don't know, a guy falls out of this, and something else falls over here, and uh, a laxative joke. But it's organized into a, a flowchart that actually feels like a narrative, right? Yeah. Like it actually yeah. makes sense. The first yeah. couple of movies, um, me, myself, and Irene, maybe not so much, but certainly uh, something about Mary, and, and even Shallow how I would argue, are, are films that are tethered to plot and have a reason for everything that mm-hmm. happens and then they started to get sillier as they went on mm-hmm. but yeah Dumb and Dumber also just has this pure anarchy bouncing around inside the frame like yeah they, they were willing to try anything yeah as yeah. long as it it's like the rule about make one for you and one for them they were doing the same thing with every scene yeah
1: yeah 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 no and you're totally you can feel that energy in every scene it like no matter how many times I watch it it really is like they capture that excitement of like anything could be said like anything is said and you pick up on more things each time you see it but um, you just mentioned uh, uh, there's
0: something about Mary Mm -hmm. and I keep waiting for someone to bring that to the podcast no one has I love
1: that movie love it Um, that's another one too that like it's just such a... Like, they, they got those guys coming in and playing the, the songs. Oh, Jonathan Richmond, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: who's like an early... He was sort of crossed the road between folk and punk before punk was even a thing. Like, he, yeah. he wrote Roadrunner. It's one of the greatest rock songs ever. Oh, wow. And there he is, sitting and singing songs, and, and just... <laughs> I remember that... The experience of seeing it theatrically at a press screening, and just watching that camera tilt and thinking, oh... Okay, I've never you're trying yeah, this
1: now. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's that experimentation that that uh I just think is so cool. I, I love that. That the, the creative process to be able to be at that level and to still be having fun with it or to have the freedom to have fun with it is just like that's the that's the stuff. That's that's that's
0: awesome. Yeah. It it's the the same thing, like the, the impulse to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, mm-hmm. that almost, I mean, it becomes a thing that works against them as it goes on, because they lost their track, they lost their control of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hall Pass is, I mean, it's almost unwatchable, uh, but it's a movie about people who are middle-aged and comfortable trying to shake up their lives, and I'm just like, are you guys making a movie about yourselves? Do you know this? Is yeah. Is like, resonant? Is there any resonance? And then I... I actually got to interview Bobby when he came through for the film, and he was absolutely not not interested in exploring any of that stuff. Wow. It's like, no, we just thought this was funny. It's like, okay, but did you think this was funny because you guys are the same age as these characters or not far off, and maybe there's something going on about wanting to do something different? It's like, no, I don't think so. And then, like, four years later, Peter makes Green Book, and it's like, you wanted to do something different. The bro- your brother maybe didn't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so... I, I think when you're being that... Um inventive, your ideas are going to leak out, and the, oh, you'll see your motive we can see the motivations maybe even better than the filmmakers do <laughs> but when they're young and they have nothing to lose and they don't really understand the rules that 's when you get the most i mean wow what is it that's how you get uh ava mendez in in um um stuck on you, which is just you know kind of a disposable movie yeah. but it's not. Bad, and the ideas that pinball around, like there's that amazing performance that she gives, there's the heart to heart um, that Damon has with somebody while, while Kinnear's listening to the Robert Evans audiobook, which is just the, stuck in my head. What is this, 10 years later? I still remember the scene probably longer. Just um, this really serious heart to heart that Matt Damon is having with his love interest, and then in the background, Kinnear just says, Ah, he banged him. He banged them all. And it's the delivery <laughs> and the glee. I just. It's such a weird moment, and it's instantly snaps you back to Dumb and Dumber, and how weirdly fertile it is as a as a, a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, you're right. Anything can happen at any time. It kind of
1: reminds me of like the Beatles. You know, like I, I like to equate a lot of creative stuff back to like they really kind of paved the way for like. Artists to really think about how they put stuff together. I think. Sure. Um,
0: but these guys are both Ringo
1: in this, like.
0: Right, right Harry right. and Lloyd are both Ringo, right, right, with right. no timing, yeah. with no rhythm. <laughs> yeah. They're putting their hands on the drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, okay. Um, where does Dumb and Dumber fall on the on the continuum? Yeah, I think I think it's like it's early experimentation, like mm. you're saying. You so know, like, white album Beatles or maybe
1: white album Beatles, yeah. maybe like. Like, just after help, like, Beatles for Sale or Rubber Soul. Okay. Where they're just kind of starting to branch out and try some new ideas. It's not really the Beatlemania. I saw her stand there, twist and shout. They're kind of starting to mix in some different textures there and go just in every direction. Like, they don't really know where they're going. But then you get this incredible stuff like that. It's the one record I really so revolver. I was about to say it sounds like review description, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to tomorrow, never knows. They're like really big, like, for psychedelic song, mm-hmm. kind of touches on that stuff. Um, and it is to this day like one of the biggest musical innovations. They say, like, the way that they went about producing that song was so different from. Any of the other songs on the album, but also any other song recorded. Wasn't that
0: yeah? Isn't that the track
1: that invented tape loops? Yeah, and and uh, backwards tape. Yeah, that was the very first one. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that's that. That's where I see there, like Dumb and Dumber, and like all the rest of the movies that followed in the '90s, like feel very much like they're finding that. Absurdity is yeah. their there experimentation of,
0: like, what can we do? That's just funny. That just makes us laugh. So it's intuitive. Like, they're just following their instincts and seeing where it goes. I think so, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, certainly, Carrie was the guy for that, right? Like, if you wanted to... I mean, The Mask was, what, six months away? And he was doing elaborate Cuban uh, Ricky Ricardo stuff. Um, and just that... The, the Chuck Russell would just pop that scene... Into a film where let's break out in song, and yeah, Beetlejuice had done it seven years earlier, but they'd never done it with the level of like the CG and the ridiculous right. excess, right. which right. somehow right. suited Carey's somehow persona. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the right place, right time. Yeah,
1: think. yeah, he's really just a, a, such a unique talent. Uh, he's really just one of those guys that I don't think any of those movies would have even
0: worked without him. Yeah, no, who else would you cast? I mean, Daniels. It, Harry could have been played by another middle-aged actor, or sure, like forty-five-year-old, I guess, yeah. still middle-aged. But uh, whatever the equivalent was, like John Lithgow could have done that, right? Right. Um, or I thought it was funny. On the way down here, I was thinking about one other person. It's the, it was the weirdness of the, the idea that. Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro would be a good comic duo, right? The op- it's the opposite Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're kind of yeah, physically yeah, similar, yeah, but they're yeah, very, very yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's about yeah. the collision of personas yeah. in Meet the Parents. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to figure out if, if maybe De Niro would be wrong, but um, Chaz Palminteri, I thought, might have done it. Like, it would have been a different character, but yeah. somebody with the same kind of physical space right. that he occupies right. more room. Right. right. He could have maybe played it, but he was already a little too old. And I just, mm-hmm. I got... Lost in this rabbit hole of, you know, like alternate casting. Yeah. But I think you really need it to be Carrie and Daniels. Like that's the alchemy of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent.
1: It's just one of those scripts that is so unique, and those those actors are so unique. Carrie specifically, but Daniels too. Like feeding off of him and 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 balancing him out. Um, yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me. I just love I love art like yeah. <laughs> contrast is such a big key I think in like anything you got to balance it out and you see that in Dumb and Dumber and you see that also oh man I just had it oh it's gone now it's okay we can cut around it <laughs> um oh, who's the, I had another duo in my head that like really just oh yeah so do you know the Eric Andre show by any chance
0: uh, it's, Eric Andre yes yeah no, absolutely yeah.
1: Yeah. so it's pretty new and it's it's a show that I I'd watched a handful of times and like did not get didn't think it was funny I kind of was like annoyed by him Mm -hmm. and uh, as I watched it more and more it kind of it reminded me of that kind of dumb and dumber-esque duality of like two very separate energies like balancing each other out um and it's it's this host who's just crazy. He's Jim Carrey. He's nuts. Eric Andre is like yeah. just super all over the place. Like he starts every episode with like destroying his set, like five minutes of him just like screaming, running around, like throwing stuff, like breaking everything. Like it's just a, it's a very bizarre show. There's nothing like it. Okay. But his co-host is like this super relaxed guy that like calls him out when he does weird stuff. He's like, what? That joke doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> right, so he's holding him accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's you're, you're thinking that and then he says it. Right. And it, it just works really, really well. Like, it, but I didn't get it at first. It was something that like was, I didn't even really like, but now I'm like really,
0: Oh, yeah. I know Andre mostly through um, uh, Man Seeking Woman I
1: love Man Seeking yeah. Woman oh I love Man Seeking Woman Yeah, I my buddy was in that and I threw it on thinking I was going to get through like one episode like I know you're in it man but like I, I can't just like <laughs> I don't have the commitment in me to start a show if okay. it's like not good and I watched one episode thinking like if he's, in, if he's not in the first one I'm just not going <laughs> to spend the time and I was I like watched the whole thing in like two days. Yeah. Watched it's, all three seasons.
0: I can't believe they canceled it when they did. I mean, it goes out on a good note, but right. it just yeah, so you know. you really left you begging for more. Yeah. I and, I I love that show. And yeah. it has that kind of casual absurdity where everything that happens in the world makes sense, but it's still so absurd. Rural. It's like a cartoon show. Yeah. And we're allowed to understand that the characters find it cartoonish as well. Yeah, yeah, like, that yeah. That yeah. manages to play both parts. Yeah, yeah. Of the, you know, he'll, he'll be... How do you put it once? It's like... Um, the whole show is about him being pulled into the world of the other characters. And he's the one who's sort of resisting it. Yeah. But his need to belong and his need to be in a relationship, all of it keeps pulling forward. And yeah. it isn't until... The third season, when he finds the right girl, that they can actually—and we don't even get to see how they met, which is great. They just, she's just there. There's a time jump in the third in the third season, yeah, thing, yeah. and it's just this delightful relationship. And it's about finding the the right kind of crazy in the other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just—it was such a wonderful argument for itself over the years. And yeah, now it's gone.
1: It's so sad. I I really, it shows like that. Shows like happy endings where it's like three seasons and then they're done like yeah. how did it? and then you got these other shows that are on for 10 seasons that are just
0: yeah disgusting people like what they like i don't know how to justify it i've, I've learned over the years that um things don't i mean now more than ever things don't die right? yeah like if you yeah. can keep something going yeah, yeah. um but then you find the shows like New Girl that ran for six and a half or seven Mm -hmm. shorter seventh season and it feels like a miracle Yeah, because the tone never changed and they figured it out and the characters grew and Mm -hmm. you get everything you want from Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. and then there are other shows where they're not really that interested in growth but they'll just keep going Yeah, and I guess that makes it easier Mm -hmm. but yeah for an undemanding viewer sure there can be twelve seasons of The Big Bang Theory I've I've lost count something like that did you know they're finally wrapping it yeah Thank God.
1: Um did you it's know tense. he the the lead actor Jim Parsons mm-hmm. beat out Steve Carell every single year 9 years in a row for best leading what, actor the in a comedy series at yeah, Emmys mm-hmm. Michael Scott That's, office
0: yeah it's um i wonder if it isn't because the precision of it seems more challenging to you know, like to the voter, mm-hmm. the average, uh, you know, it's it's the Oscar joke, right? You confuse best acting with most acting. Yeah, and yeah. so maintaining that one note, you know, it's how Hoffman got the Oscar for Rain Man. It's how, mm-hmm. um, arguably, how Hanks got it for Forrest Gump. Although I think that's a great performance with some some yeah, notes yeah, to it, but yeah, yeah, you can yeah. mistake it for something mm-hmm. uh, something else, and. Yeah, I can see Parsons winning a lot of Emmys for that. And I I also, you know, I'm I'm comforted by the fact that he seems to be really invested in doing good work mm-hmm. outside of it and, and mm-hmm. working with charities and, and making the most of this thing that happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's also pretty much ready to hang it up. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think like any any show where you're working on the same character for that long, it gets stale. Yeah, yeah.
0: It would have to. Yeah. I mean, unless you get incredibly lucky and you get writers who are willing to challenge the concept over right. and over again, but that's not what you do with a sitcom, right? Yeah, and exactly. and it's you know that's Carey's relationship to his <clears throat> his comic roles too. He very quickly started changing it up. Um, what was Man on the Moon was ninety nine, so that's four years, five years after Dumb and Dumber. He's already taking yeah. major risks artistically. Yeah. yeah, Eternal Sunshine wow. of the Spotless Mind is just a few years away. Yeah, yeah, which is. You know, one of the greatest. Love that movie. Yeah, and one of the greatest uses of Carrie, right? Because yeah. the vulnerability is cranked so far up, but he still. The movie still lets him do yeah. all the other stuff yeah. that we want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just finds the right context for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, what was the last comedy he did? Straight comedy? Probably Burt Wonderstone? Was I that lo- it? I love that movie. I did too, actually. I, gotta really say, I did the junket for that. That was fun. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah. He
1: is so good in that. I, I love that movie. It's...
0: <laughs> That's kind of a showcase of his other great virtue as an actor, which is that he's willing to be unlikable and unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. Because that character yeah. is just ugly. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but compelling. Yeah, Can't yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve Gray, brain rapist. That's right. Oh God, the idea that he and and that he committed to the, the workout, the exercise stuff, and he doesn't look good. I mean, he doesn't look healthy. Um, and he said he did. Like, yeah, that was intentional. He just smeared himself with this, like, hair oil, and then just kept going. It's all over him, and it's horrible. But he, like, he'll go there. He, he's he's an incredibly determined performer, and sometimes that isn't the best thing uh, for him. I, I, you know, movies like The Majestic, where he just kind of misgaged the tone. Everybody did. You just Frank Darabont wanted to make another big heartfelt Americana movie, but all of his heartfelt Americana movies actively ignore the darkness that powers Shawshank and he just keeps trying to redo that. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame Carrie for it, but the or the number twenty three where he just he dave he dives right in. Yeah. He gives, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. giving the performance mm-hmm. that's been asked of him. Mm-hmm. But there's something about like when he does a comedy full on, um, you just you see it, you see yeah. the animating spark yeah. that that's yeah. in Lloyd.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent.
1: It's it's really it's um, inspiring to me to to look at someone with a career like that as well and think of you know he he got a lot of ridicule and still does to this day for being a goofball kind of guy like not a serious actor um, but to walk away from such goofy not walk away but you know do such a goofy role one year and then the next year come with them like with eternal sunshine right it's and then to go back to it is like just so independently minded like who cares what everyone else is saying or what everyone else thinks they know about me like I'm just gonna do what I do and I'm gonna give it my all and I don't care if people call me this or try to you know blackball me on that like i'm i can do anything i want
0: yeah and he has the talent to back it up and he does that's yeah. i mean obviously that's why it happens I mean, cable guy there's another one where love cable guy it was you know it was deemed unworkable nobody wanted to release it nobody wanted to make it everybody wow. well if you listen to the, the there's a commentary that Apatow, stiller and carry recorded for the i think it was the 20th anniversary blu-ray and it's just it's all about how we didn't believe in ourselves we were for sure it was going to bomb it kind wow. of did it was yeah, this yeah, weird yeah. it keeps coming back up throughout the conversation they're really proud of it they they knew what they wanted to do and they did it but there's also this weird self-doubt that plagues them uh, throughout the production that they they you know, 20 years later they reconcile themselves to doing it <laughs> but just the sense that the performance is and you, you know the original conception of him with Chip was a murderer and he was he was actively killing people he wasn't oh. just sort of a chaos demon yeah. Um, and it was dark and then it was lighter and then they pulled it back and then they went forward and it's this this amazing negotiation process that they were doing constantly to figure out what kind of movie they wanted it to be even after it was shot. That's cool. Yeah, it's really something and again, a film that just was sort of queasily dealt with when it came out it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I I saw it with a packed house that did not like it oh, wow. uh, and it was really fascinating there, there were there were jokes that landed there were moments where people laughed but you could feel the energy shift in yeah. the room yeah, like, yeah. eh. nobody wanted it and I think if you made it now there's probably uh, I mean, I'm sure there will be a remake everything gets remade but there's probably potential there to explore it and the, the, the weird codependent running gag that, that goes through the whole thing his energy was perfect for that mm-hmm. and it's the neediness of Lloyd you know he doesn't want to be alone. He can't function without Harry, but he really wants to have a relationship. They haven't, you know, again, it's all idealization. They haven't thought it through. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what he would do with a girlfriend. Like they would go for walks and probably talk. Like he, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he snaps right into that performance as soon as he has the opportunity and it's it's fascinating you're watching someone like front as an adult and so clearly fail to pull it off that it, it is delightful. It yeah, really is wonderful. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Speaking of, like, remakes and stuff, mm-hmm. um, they... So, The Mask. Like, right. one of his most animated. Literally, yeah. <laughs> um, and just an incredible performance. Such a funny, weird, one-off, like, its-own-thing movie as well. Which is just Gary's career, really. Like, he, it's... It, I'm, I'm so amazed. But um, they did a second one with yeah. uh, Jamie Kennedy. Oh, yeah, I saw it. And that first scene when he puts on the mask and, like, there's a number that's trying to, like, live up to... Like, it just is so... And, like... Jamie Kennedy, like, I'm sure, you know, he's not bad, he's not not, awful, but it's just, no one can touch that and make it real the same way he did. That is, it's so impressive to me that he's able to ground these larger than life characters because everything, even the Grinch feels like a person you feel for this hairy green guy. Yeah. You feel for the most disgusting <laughs>
0: creature to ever exist. Yeah. It's the natural empathy that he projects. Yeah. That he not he projects. He doesn't project it. He invites it. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, yeah, half the time you're watching him, you're just thinking, oh, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be better if you don't. <laughs> it's okay. But he, can, but he can't help himself. So. Yeah, it's the, yeah. you know, the, the the cartoon archetype of Daffy Duck, which is that he wants something, but he can't allow himself to have it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's, the Bugs Bunny archetype of someone who is really just kind of a prankster, doesn't really have anything invested, yeah, will yeah. kill you if you cross him, yeah. but really probably doesn't want to go to the effort. Yeah. And and Carrie finds the middle of those two mm-hmm. where he is capable, most of the time his characters are capable of being normal, decent human beings, but they want stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it starts yeah, to yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. mask, I mean, the mask actually Makes it flesh, you have yeah, it is, you that. have the decision yeah, totally to put the mask on, yeah,
1: but we all wear masks, yeah, speaking
0: <laughs> exactly, and he, the fact that he could get that dialogue out with those teeth and it's a physical performer, there aren't a lot that who can do what he does, no. but but yeah, with dumb and dumber, he found like he stumbled into the perfect um box for what he could do, yeah, and showed us everything, yeah, and then just kept going, which is kind of amazing, yeah.
1: I really, yeah, I, I, every one of his roles, it's really like I don't see anyone
0: else being able to make this work, even. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, how would you? <laughs> he can find the. La- it's like he reads a language into the script that isn't there. Yeah, yeah. That, that com- he can communicate. With yeah. Him. Um, it's funny too because um, when when this is going to be a weird segue, but when The Dark Knight came out and Heath Ledger's Joker was there, it's just like oh that was kind of what Carrie's Riddler wanted to be. Yeah. But it couldn't come Not out. That like they just, yeah, 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 that yeah. movie wouldn't allow it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the the, the idea of a villain who enjoys villainy yeah. without... Re- I mean, I think the problem with Batman Forever is there are so many problems that it's hard to figure out what, which one it is. But Carrie is... Um, he's trying to create a coherent character and right. I think the vision of the film just doesn't allow for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I saw Ledger do it it's like oh that's kind of what you were getting at the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this the intensity of vision the idea that you're so focused on your goal and, and that you're enjoying it that's something that happens in all of his movies like Ace Ventura is a character who entertains himself more than that. like that's the yeah. Bugs Bunny yeah. character yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: yeah yeah and then Lloyd is, is like Lloyd and Harry together are kind of Daffy Duck because right. they're incapable of getting what they want yeah, and they get yeah. angry at each other for Perceived, you know, interference, but they're their own worst enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's Carrie's unique... I, there's no one else who does what he does yeah. uh, when he when he's nailing it. So yeah, I, I didn't see the sequel, but how do they handle... I mean, how do they handle the age of Dumb and Dumber? How do they handle the fact that it's 20 years later? <laughs> it was actually kind
1: of a funny beginning. There's a good gag where, like... Uh-huh. <laughs> Lloyd has been in like this old age home or something or like an, a psychiatric ward where he's like brain dead and Harry, Harry comes to visit like every day for 20 years and then like it was a prank the whole time like Jim <laughs> Carrey like snaps at but he's like gotcha <laughs> he's like what well, you just been pretending to be like brain dead for 20 years and he's like yeah and I gotcha <laughs> That's probably the only funny part of the movie, sadly. That is, that but was like, at least consistent with who they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I. I. I, I think. Because they wanted. I, I know that, like, before it came out, there's a lot of news about how. Dumb and Dumber Two is going to be coming out for years, and you know the script's not right yet, and all these moving parts need to be perfect, otherwise, Carrie Daniels won't do it. So you think it's going to be done right, and it just seemed like none of that really came to fruition. Like it wasn't a movie; it was just not at all the same approach as the first. It was totally a blockbuster gag, right, thing. Didn't have the intimacy. Didn't have the intimacy. Didn't Focus. have like this. The 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 characters, man, just weren't. It it, it was. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't want to put it on those guys because like, there's only so much you can do as an actor. But like, it really just felt like it wasn't there. Maybe it really just was like a perfect time and place for everybody involved. Carrie Daniels, the the, the Fairleys,
0: like those. It just can't be recreated, like Yeah, I mean and not everything needs a sequel. I just I I've come up against this all the time, the idea that if there is something that's, you know, fun and self contained, you can leave it alone. But we just don't have that anymore. Yeah, no, no. It was it just seemed to be
1: so profit driven more than anything else, like the
0: the care wasn't in it mm. in this one. Yeah, well. We still have the original
1: still be holding
0: So and yeah, this this brings me to the question that I love asking uh, at the end of the podcast, which is that you know if and what if anything um, of of the movie of Dumb and Dumber performances, structure, writing, a, a, approach, aesthetic, have you is there a point where you've borrowed or stolen or oh, yeah, lifted yeah, anything? Yeah, oh yeah, no, man, for sure. I feel like so it it
1: would probably be subtle stuff, mm-hmm. but just like. I, I think you can pick up on like a cadence, you know. Yeah. A, a a rhythm of humor. Like that's that's a huge part of what makes that movie and any movie really great is like the timing is is it's very rhythmic. Um but specifically, let me think. I I definitely said our pet's heads are falling off like last week.
0: Right. Um, yeah, um, like yeah, for example, Anna Esmer told me that he works the Amigos salute into from Three Amigos into everything he does oh, wow. or tries to, and he finally got it. I think it was Red Oaks. They let him keep it in. Oh wow! But it's That's just like good. I've been working on this for years, and I finally found a place for it. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh,
1: I don't I can't say I have one of those for Dumb and Dumber, but I I do also love uh, the Austin Powers movies. Okay. Those are like very big for my leg like, growing up. And I definitely lift so much stuff from that. Um, but one in particular that I got in a scene, um, on a show that I was doing. Um, oh, is it, there's there's this scene in Austin Powers where he's playing chess with Ivana Humpala mm-hmm. and she's starting to be sexy with the pieces and touching them and stuff and the camera just goes in and he's like <laughs> just it's so guttural like you really just <laughs> and that I, I, I worked into a scene <laughs> how? <laughs> so the scene was uh, it was like I'm, uh, I'm at this high school um, like checking in uh, cheerleaders that are coming to do like a tournament at, at the school and like this one comes up and we're, there's kind of like a moment where I look to my buddy like whoa pretty hot and I just like I wouldn't stop badgering trying I was like come on just let me it." It's <laughs> like well, we'll get a couple where you don't do it <laughs> right yeah one for us one and then yeah yeah but then it ended up getting in it was the <laughs> that was the tape they chose so yeah yeah that's one I, I I like to throw in there it's a good one because you can do it like in public and like people won't really know what you're
0: Doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And somewhere out there, Mike Myers shivers, like... Yeah. <laughs> someone's pulled on the back of his head. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's, it's a... What is it? A, a, a continuity of history. <laughs> yeah. A tribute. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. No, just two great Canadian
0: true. guys,
1: man. I, 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 I really... I, I love those guys. I love all the movies that they made.
0: Kind of defined the 90s for comedy, too, in a weird way. Yeah. And Austin Powers and, and Ace Ventura are like opposite ends of a, of a pole. Mm hmm.
1: hmm.
0: A weird, sexist pole.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. My thanks to Ricardo Hoyas, who you can see being totally tubular as an 80s guy named Trip in Bumblebee, now available on disc and digital from Paramount Home Entertainment. Thanks also to Stephen Shin. He knows what he did. You can find Ricardo on Twitter at RicardoHoyos2, R-I-C-A-R-D-O-H-O-Y-O-S, numeral 2, all one word. And you can find Dumb and Dumber on Blu-ray and DVD from Warner Home Video in the U.S. and from E1 in Canada. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. And you should check out Ricardo's band, Dog Cosmic. The new single, Let You Inside, just dropped on Apple Music yesterday. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast. S E M cast and on the web at someone movie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps. It truly does. Thanks for your support. And thanks for listening. <laughs>